For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has similarly been tested in every way yet without sin. So let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace for timely help. We heard these words proclaimed in Spanish. And there'll be some Spanish words at the end of this. But to receive mercy, mercy. Isaiah says of the servant of God, and by prophecy of Jesus, the servant of God, this merciful high priest, that he was crushed in infirmity and that the Lord was pleased to crush him, him, not us so that the will of God might be accomplished through him, that through his suffering my servant would justify many and their guilt, our guilt included, he would bear. But he came to bring mercy. Mercy is what is needed. Mercy is what is given. Mercy is all that's given. It's what this high priest came to bring us. It empowers us to bring it to others. It is a fierce and a holy mercy born of love beyond all telling, a love which knows us down to the last fiber of our being, born of suffering, a love willing to bear anything, any price, any crushing humiliation, crushed in a humiliating death on the cross. Crucifixion was meant to humiliate, not just to cause suffering. He did this in order to pierce the hardened human heart and to fill it with mercy, to fill our hearts with mercy to make mercy the gift we bring to others in our words, in our actions, in our prayers, in our suffering, in our witness, in our public advocacy. Mercy. Mercy for the child in the womb with a heartbeat and a life of inestimable value before that heartbeat can even be detected from the very beginning, from the first moment. Mercy for the mother with a heartbeat. A heart in many circumstances bereft, abandoned, alone, burdened or wounded, struggling. Mercy with, for the father with a heartbeat, burdened in other ways or absent, or perhaps seeing in the child only a problem to be solved or covered over or left behind. Mercy for all the vagaries of the human heart in every circumstance. Jeremiah said more torturous then all else is the human heart beyond remedy. Who can understand it? We can scarcely know what goes on in our own hearts. And so the need for mercy, only the mercy of God, of the good shepherd who goes in search of his sheep, self-sacrificing love, he would do anything short of coercing us. And Jesus speaks of this over and over again in the gospel. I came not to be served, but to serve, to give my life as a ransom for many to be the last one of all and the servant of all, giving what is needed. And what is needed is a remedy, not condemnation, but a path forward. Mercy for the lost sheep, to give mercy, which flows into the lives of each of the sheep his, his, his mercy touches, and which is to overflow through us into the lives of others. Mercy for the child who deserved to be shielded and loved. Mercy for the mother. Mercy for the mother. Mercy for the father. Mercy for us all. We are the recipients, the objects, the subjects of a great mercy. Some months ago, I received an email from a woman whom I've known for many years who spoke of her own experience of abortion and the shame of that and the path of healing that the Lord opened up for her. 
She wanted me and other priests to be aware of the suffering of many women in the pews who had experienced abortion. Her reflection had a single line at the top. It said, always, always remember the innocents, but please don't forget about me. And then she wrote just four short paragraphs, which I'm going to read in full, because I think they're very beautiful, a testimony of suffering and also a, de- a, suf- a t- testimony of deep faith. She said, I write, to th- I write this to you as a priest to s- understand some of the women who sit in your pews. There are many more of us than you might realize, many of us who carry the shame and regret of a sin that has changed us forever. Some of us have realized we are victims of abortion. Some have sought healing, but some have kept it hidden inside a box for quite some time. So I ask you to remember these women. If we are in your pews, we aren't asking you to not speak of the truths of abortion. We aren't asking you to not have sorrow for the lives that have been taken. We aren't asking you to not stand up and say that there is pure evil in the abortion industry. You see, we know these things as well. We see them more clearly and have more sorrow and resentment than you can ever imagine. When I say, don't forget about me, I'm urging you to remember us when you speak of the grace and mercy of God's forgiveness. When you speak of sins that God wants to bring healing to, please say the word abortion. When that word is spoken, it is hard for us to hear. But when spoken about in the context of healing, it gives us hope. It recognizes us in a way that gives us the courage to go to confession if we haven't, to seek an ear to listen, to call and inquire about Rachel's vineyard, and to begin a path of letting go of shame, forgiving ourselves, and healing. Our sorrow for our child and the hope that our child will greet us one day with open arms is something we think of every day. Some of us are further along in our journey of healing, but there are still those days that can knock us down. Our grief for the souls in heaven that we were part of is always there, but we are the souls here in front of you desiring compassion and understanding. Help us in knowing you want us to encounter healing by speaking. Your words are representations to us from Christ, and that truth is what we need to feel compassion and safety in being ready to grow and heal. Your words can inspire us to reach women like us who don't feel worthy to even come and sit in the pews. Those are the end of her remarks. She said we have the capacity to inspire, but I think her words also have the capacity to inspire. They are words of courage and of anguish, of compassion, but above all, of hope. All who met Jesus, all who met him in person in the flesh, met the very embodiment of mercy. Their deepest sin and their shame was brought out into the light of that mercy. They met in him the persistence of mercy, the abundance of mercy, the willingness on his part to suffer to impart that mercy, to give his life as a ransom for many, as he tells us today in the gospel, for all of us, for each of you individually, for me, for all of us together. This mercy reaches to the very depths of human sinfulness, no matter what it is. It always goes deeper than anything we can do. It reaches into the depths of our hearts to forgive and to heal the tortured human heart. It includes the sin of abortion. This mercy might knock us off of our feet, It's a severe mercy, as it did St. Paul, speaking to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you killing my people? This mercy might confront us with the question addressed to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? To seek to push him beyond the point where he's stuck, where his mind keeps going back to what he said three times, how can he carry the burden? 
pushing him forward to a deeper, a more solid truth. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And he really did love him. This mercy might confront us, confront us on an otherwise ordinary day through a simple request. Give me a drink in which Jesus pierced the wounded heart of a Samaritan woman at a well, exposing everything that she had ever done, exposing it to his mercy, making her a wellspring of mercy, her life redeemed, a source of good news. Come and see someone who told me everything I ever did. Could this not be the Messiah? That was her good news. And all three of these and so many more of the great sinners that, that, that Jesus called were men and women with, with great talents, with great gifts, a mission to perform and complete as companions of Jesus, as his disciples. But it is a fierce mercy that pierces and wounds only to redeem, only to restore, only to heal, and become the very place where Jesus renews his call, follow me. He not only forgives, but he says again, follow me. This gift of our high priest, able to sympathize with us in our weakness, able to let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy, to find grace for timely help. This gift is held out to us, to you and me, in this moment, in each moment. I like the Spanish translation. Um, in el momento oportuno, an opportune moment. Um, now is the acceptable time. Now is always the time to turn to him. A mercy which is too good to be true, yet true. The gift of the Father's heart for his children, opening our hearts to his mercy, enabling us to take the next good step, and that is the grace and challenge held out to us in this moment. What is the next good step? Because we live our lives, we follow the Lord step by step, only one step at a time, requiring a measure of courage, a measure of patience, more than anything else, a measure of hope. And he gives his gifts without measure, that there is mercy and abundance for each one of us, the gift of our great high priest, able to sympathize with our weaknesses, able to redeem us and fill us with his mercy, because this great high priest is the divine son of God from all eternity who himself suffered the weakness of human flesh, made flesh in Jesus our risen Lord, our great high priest present to us now, feeding us with the gift of himself in the Holy Eucharist, his body broken for us, his blood poured out to give us life, life to the full and joy beyond measure.